This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. You looking to sell your home? At realestateagentsitrust.com, our goal is to ease the stress of home selling by helping you sell your home as quickly as possible at the best price possible. Hi, it's Glenn Beck, and I want to thank you. In just the last few months, thousands of Blaze Radio listeners just like you have contacted our agents. So if you're thinking of selling your home or if you want help buying a home, go to realestateagentsitrust.com and let our individually selected agents earn your business. realestateagentsitrust.com Triple eight seven twenty seven back is the phone number. It is Fat and still today. Um, actually, Pat is going to be filling in for TV tonight, uh, which is going to be really Glenn cool. Can't talk. Heard his voice. <laughs> it's because Glenn can't talk. Are you mocking Glenn and his voice problems? How Not at all. dare you? <laughs> you know, one of the things I think is the most important is people you're close to. You should never mock. Welcome to Fat and Stew. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, uh, it's important to live by those words. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. I, you know, I don't want to be a hypocrite. Uh, so welcome to the program. Uh, great weekend in wow. Birmingham. Uh, if you weren't there, yeah, wow, did you miss out. In all I seriousness, mean, if you weren't you really there, did. why? Really, why weren't you there? You mean you didn't just instantly book your ticket to Birmingham in August? What the heck is wrong with you? Well, if this was event was promoted for a long time. It was. Uh, however, it's tough to get down there. It's tough, uh, you know, if you're going to... Did they close the city? Did they say they weren't accepting more people? They did not. Okay. So you're blaming the people is what you're doing. I just want to make sure I understand. You're putting the responsibility on the I citizen. Am. Don't you know we live in America where you always blame someone else? Uh, I'm trying to change that. Well, that's wrong. That's wrong. That's hateful. That's conservative, you bastard. <laughs> um, it was a great event. Uh, so let's go through kind of like what happened. We get, we get there, and uh, Friday we do the radio show live in Birmingham at our great affiliate, um, uh, WERC. Oh, they were great. They, uh, just fantastic people. We really enjoy being there. I mean, there. they actually, I mean, I, we've worked at a lot of radio stations, and I can actually say that this is the first time I've ever had someone pull out brand new headphones. Oh, you guys need headphones for the show? Yeah. Oh, and they opened up a brand new box of yeah. headphones. Yeah, it was nice. They There's not a chance I open up new headphones for us. <laughs> we don't even give you headphones. We didn't even give you a key to the office. I don't even know how you get in. Uh, and so they were great, and we did the radio show there. Uh, then went on to um, uh, the, the rest of the events for the evening. Guiding Light Church was kind of the big uh, highlight of that. Glenn actually did a big conference with a bunch of pastors as well that some of you uh, may have gone to. But at night, there was a, we were at Guiding Light Church, Bishop Blow, uh, rocked the house with a, uh, a sermon, and then Glenn, uh, you know, you, usually you don't want to follow Glenn Beck, you don't want to follow Bishop Blow. Yeah. <laughs> That's the real <laughs> lesson to learn. Boy, no kidding. Uh, and the church was packed, and there was, I mean, there were thousands of people outside of yeah. the church in front of these two huge screens. It that, was amazing. That was great. I mean, it was, um, there was two big screens outside. At one point, I kind of walked up, there was one window we were like for, that was like high enough that you could kind of see the crowd, and I, I walked over there and looked at it, because the inside was huge and yeah. then you looked out there and it was amazing and jeffy uh, actually decided to go out and oh, walk well, around see, i looked out that same window you looked yeah and i went food carts 
And that's what happened. <laughs> At first, I was like, wow, Jeffy is really dedicated. I mean, you know, I, look, sometimes I can be, you know, I don't know. It's like I'm doing my thing, and I don't want to you know, get out. I, I was thinking, yeah, we're in the middle of a, you know, a sermon. I don't want to go out there and, like, start shaking hands and all the stuff that we do. Like, you know, people are trying to, under, you know, enjoy the show. And then Jeffy's like, no, nah, I'm going to go out there. And he no, kept pushing it, kept pushing it. Yeah. And then we later found out there were food trucks. Uh, which is probably the only reason he came out to see you. Some serious steaks and burgers <laughs> yeah, out there. <laughs> really? Yeah, nice. So we did that on, on Friday. On Saturday, um, of course, uh, in the morning was the march. Here's you know, a great picture of it. I don't know if it's up on the screen yet. Um, yeah, I mean, that was really <laughs> unbelievable. You kind of get the sense of how big it was. I mean, it goes way back there. Now, this is not even including the group we were standing in. I think because the way they had it you know, formatted to try to keep it somewhat orderly, they were kind of releasing us in in packs right. essentially so we, we we were you know with the people in the show and and the uh, the people from the churches and stuff there were kind of in that first group and then all the um fans and 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 uh, supporters and everything were kind of right behind us um so i think that was actually taken from behind that first group and well then we pat and i actually went back and kind of slowed down went back to uh March a little bit with the second group, sure. and you just get swallowed up into the crowd. Yeah, they're great. Man. They're great. Now, was there another food truck, or what was the reason for that particular jaunt? I mean, people had they were giving away some mm. snacks. <laughs> uh, here's Chuck Norris as he was uh, marching, and he was there uh, as well. John Voight was there. Just a great group of people, and it was the cool thing was. You know, I don't know. I gotta assume other audiences are not like this. I've obviously never well, we, been on another big show, but I can tell it, you, we, you, you walk around and just everyone's cool, and they're just they're 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 excited for the future of the country. They're just seemingly good people. No kidding. You know, and I, you know, it's just it's selfless people as well. It's just great. And and as we've seen with so many of the other events, the, the town is as clean or cleaner than it was when we got when we arrive. Uh, and we actually got to, before the march, got to sit in the 16th Street Baptist Church, which was historic. I mean, this wow. is the terrible incident uh, in the 60s where um, uh, four girls were killed in a bombing. We watched a video of kind of going through that history, and it was amazing because you're sitting there, and they're like, you know, the, uh, during the bombing, the face of Jesus was actually blown out of the, steel, uh, the stained glass. And uh, you're sitting there watching this on video, then you look to your right, and there's that stained glass window right that has now been repaired. I mean, it's it, it's really a historic place and a cool place. If you've never thought of Birmingham as a place to visit, it's a really you could really get lost in a weekend there uh, with all the history. Even longer than that. I mean, I, I realize you where are you going for vacation for a week? Birmingham, but you could probably do a week there. There's a number oh, of yeah. things. I mean, there's plenty. My wife was there for two or three days earlier, and she went to took the kids to two or three different places, and they were taking pictures and going all places, and it was. Shame that I wasn't there to run around with them even more. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I definitely noticed, uh, you know, your family doesn't like you. I noticed that. All right, so uh, anyway, we wanted to give you a quick... Uh, I want to give you a quick... <laughs> uh, this is the whole weekend, by the way. Off the air, on the air. Just this going back and forth the entire time. It gets exhausting after a while, but... We do it to entertain does ourselves. It? it does for me. I didn't, for me. I didn't see that. Yeah, it does for me. I didn't feel that. <laughs> uh, we want to give you a tea. In case you, uh, as Jeffy said, were at fault and did not show up, wanted to give you a little taste anyway uh, of what the uh, kind of the main thing from Glenn was. Uh, here is Glenn at the event. This is on Saturday at the arena. Uh, Glenn Beck. Alone, we may be small. But united, we are a mighty army of righteousness. 
And I know enough politicians, I know enough people that are running for president right now, and they all say the same thing. Will you host a fundraiser? Will you host a fundraiser? Will you host a fundraiser? Because I've got to raise another $250,000, and that $250,000, man, if we can be successful on that, that'll help an awful lot. They need that to run their campaign right now, their campaign so they can be the person that sits in the chair, the most powerful job on the planet. Well, I'll tell you something. In eight days, we raised $3 million in eight days. And you know what? What are we doing? We're saving people's lives. That's the most powerful job on the planet. So $3 million is great, and that's a lot, and that's a lot. That's more than I thought we could raise, especially in such a short period of time, and that's a lot. But I always go too far. I would like to ask you to join me. Let's raise our first goal, $10 million. That's another 280 families. But what I also need, we need $10 million and I need 400 churches around the country that will adopt one family. And you make that your goal with your church. If we can get the first 400, we'll get the next 400 and our pastors will start being ashamed of being that do nothing and we'll raise $100 million. So I want you to Talk to your church. See if you will, see if you will uh, get them to adopt. I want you to sign a petition. I want you to call your members of Congress. I want you to beg that we give these people uh, uh, asylum status. Put the pressure on the State Department and call them. We'll do this together. I've seen the pressure of this audience. It happens every single time. Um, we will continue to do that until each one of these 400 families can walk upright in this nation with all of the legal rights due to them as free men and women in a place where they can practice their religion. And if the State Department won't open the doors, I will ask you to meet again, but this time in another country across the border in Mexico, where we will march again arm in arm. And we will march these families across the bridge ourselves. It'll be a new Selma for justice. A new bridge, but the same justice. The justice that all lives matter. And if they arrest us, so be it. I will gladly grace their jail for a righteous cause. But I am really going to need your help because this is going to be the largest sum, the largest amount we have ever tried to do. And I'm going to add a couple of caveats to this. 
This is unlike the Jerry Lewis telethon where somebody came, you know, 7-Eleven's here with a giant oversized check. We don't have anybody with a giant oversized check. This is really going to depend on you and on me. I'm going to need people to do bake sales. I'm going to make, I need people to do whatever it is your talent is and try to get people involved. $10 million is a lot, but here comes the other shoe. I want to raise that $10 million by Christmas. I want to bring these people here because I know it's quick, but evil doesn't wait. Evil doesn't wait. Evil never rests. Evil never sleeps. And so we must not sleep. We must not rest. We must continue to go right now because their lives are at stake right now. Not tomorrow, not when it's con convenient. We have to save these Christian communities in the Middle East. Resettle them wherever they can live, rebuild, restore the faith of the ancient communities of Christian. The Christian communities that were there first. Some of these were there with the apostles. Shame on us if we cannot do this. They will live in our churches. They will bless our lives. They will bless our country. And they shall bless our children for generations to come. It is time to make bold action in the name of God. This is our first step. We get these people to a new home where they can recover their faith, where they can recover their lives. We're going to call this fund the Nazarene Fund. The symbol that ISIS uses to mark, your, mark you and your family for death is a symbol of life and we shall make sure it always stands for life. We will bring these 400 families out this year. 400 families, we did some calculation. That is the exact number, 400, between the moment God spoke to Malachi, the last prophet of the Old Testament, to John the Baptist, the first prophet in the New Testament. The scholars call these the silent years, but we all know better than that. God is never silent. He speaks through us. So let us in our actions speak for the 400 years of silence. Let us be the words of God for every year we shall deliver a family from death. For every year we shall deny evil another victim. For every year we will bring God's justice to earth. And we can accomplish this, and when we finish this, we will be ready to do more. A lot more. If we can all raise our voices where we live and where we pray, if we can turn our houses, houses of worship into congregations of courage, if we raise what we need to raise to bring these families out of darkness, 
we will have then an army that is trained and ready to do good. An army of people all across this country that is connected and eager and wanting to do good. And an army of people that will know you're never alone. You're never alone. We surround the darkness. We surround them. But understand, this is not about keeping evil at bay. This isn't fighting so we can get to a truce or a standstill. This isn't about living and coexisting with evil. This is about banishing evil out of our world and driving evil back through the gates of hell and putting the lock on it. This is not a defensive war. It's high time the American people and Christians go on the offense. This is an offensive war. We're taking it to evil. If we speak the truth, if we speak the truth, we will offend. But we will only offend those who need to be offended. Because evil will always find truth offensive. Because truth is a threat to evil. Let evil know you are its enemy and do it today. Be the conscience that makes evil uncomfortable. We should be a constant grinding threat to evil because if we are not a threat, we are simply a target. Remember, evil thrives by hiding in the shadows and the scriptures teach us all the time that we have to stand. One of my favorite scriptures says, the hour has come. The hour has come for you to wake from your sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night, my friends, is far gone. The day is at hand. So let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. So let us do that today as we depart. Let us put on the army of light. Let us raise a light. Take out your cell phones. Let's make, let's put them to use. Take out your cell phones. Be a light in the darkness. Let your words be the light. Because our hour has come. And the night is gone. Look at the stars in the heaven. If we're on God's side, who can stand against us? The day is at hand, and we shall be the light. We are the day. We are the movement that will roll back evil and drive it from the world in the name of God and Jesus Christ. And it will start here, and it will spread from here to our families, to our friends, wherever we live, wherever we can be found. One by one, we shall each conquer evil. He is the light of the world. We will be the doers of the word, be the beacon of peace. And with his grace, with his grace, my friends, we will be the beginning of the next great awakening. When our water heater broke down last month, it was a nightmare. It took five hours for the plumber to show up, and he charged us a couple of hundred bucks just to come out. Then it cost another $1,800 to put in the new water heater. 
By the time it was all said and done, I felt like I'd been taken. But what else could I do? The smartest thing you can do is get a home warranty from American Residential Warranty. Their home warranties pay to repair or replace all your major appliances when they break. And they will break. And at the worst possible time, call American Residential Warranty right now for free information on home warranties starting at just pennies a day. Don't wait for your refrigerator to stop running or your ceiling fans to stop turning. Call American Residential Warranty right now. Ask how you can save up to 50% on wash and dryer coverage. Just call 1-800-686-3910. That's 1-800-686-3910. Again, 1-800-686-3910. Call now. Welcome to it. Triple Eight Seven Twenty Seven. Back is the phone number here on the Fats Two Show. Pat back uh, tomorrow. You can see him tonight, however, uh, hosting the television program, which That's I think great. you'll be tuning in for. Right? Oh, you can't keep me away from that mm. every day. Mm. Well, I mean, I know you're a big. You look. You like to watch TV. Uh, Jeffy watches more TV <laughs> than any human being that I know. Uh, in fact, when uh, sometimes when I say, "Hey, have you seen this show?" I stop halfway through a sentence, knowing he's seen this show, whatever it is. So you'll be watching tonight? Of course. Okay, and you'll be if watching... If not, I can just watch it later, on demand. You're going to be watching it at some point in your life. Is Correct. That right? um, you'll also be watching the Sunday morning at 8 a.m. Oh, you can't uh, tear me away from that. As the recently promoted Al Sharpton continues his incredible reign of success on television. I may actually DVR that, just so I... To see Al? Yes. To see if maybe he, like, tries to justify his promotion? Well, he already has. He has. It's pretty sad. Yeah. I'll tell you one thing. Most, I guess most places in the, you know, in media do do that, you know, put on a happy face when you get moved around and stuff. But MSNBC does that the best. Those people do that the best where they get their promotion to weekends uh, from, I mean, you're doing five days a week on a, on a national scale. Mm-hmm. And you get pushed back to one hour on a weekend and you put a good spin on that. God bless you. That's pretty impressive. Uh, Al says, I was very comfortable with the fact I was going to do a Sunday show. He insisted to the, to the Daily Beast Thursday night, putting a positive spin on MSNBC's announcement. Nobody thought we could do a weekday show. <laughs> well, I will agree with him on that. Yes. Nobody thought that he could do a weekday show, and man, were they right. Oh, no, they were They what? were totally right. He cannot do a weekday show. Have you seen the show? Uh, I have seen it. Okay. Okay. Um, in fact, we'll give you a clip of it here in just a moment, a classic one that you might remember. Um, so uh, he says, nobody thought we could do a weekday show, and now we're going to do a Sunday show, and it'll be very different. And we'll do the things the Sunday shows that come on after me you are going to have to deal with, stuff they couldn't get, because Al Sharpton's show is going to be so good that shows like Meet the Press are going to be like, oh, no, what did Al do? today oh he's going to be setting the news you want to know and one of the reasons like meet the press they have a tough time getting a hold of people oh my god they can't get anybody on find anybody on (laughs) you can't find them you look on their show pretty soon they're interviewing you know joe on the street right but al sharpton i have one of the best rolodexes out there from washington circles and entertainment circles Mm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) now al says um don't forget, he is one of the best Rolodexes out there from Washington circles and entertainment circles, and he's going to use it. Now, apparently, he didn't have that uh, Rolodex the past few years. So no, he he's does. found it now for the weekend show. And also, he's still using a Rolodex. 
which is interesting as well. Um, why is that important? The reason at 8 a.m. works for me is it's early enough for the church crowd to watch before they go to church. See? Mm-hmm. That's interesting. He's the reverend. Well, it, yes, he is, of course. And he has to, he has, I mean, it's not just the church people who need to get to church. He does because he's a reverend. So right. I would assume he has to go do a sermon, right? Right. At the Al Sharpton, what church is it again? Uh, it's, I think it's the same church Trump goes to. <laughs> I think it's uh, <laughs> just as exists. I thought Donald didn't go to a church. No, he does. He announced he did. Oh. You didn't hear that? Mm. It exists about as much as the one Donald goes to. Mm. Um, and uh, he says that he has a contract, uh, runs for a good while, declining to specify how much longer. Huh. He's as happy as he could be. And this is, as you point out, Jeffy, a very consistent thing that happens at MSNBC where they justify it as a positive. Uh, when uh, Ed Schultz was promoted to weekends. He said the reason why he was excited about it is because he would get the news on the weekend and he'd be able to react to it first instead of a day late. And then, of course, a couple of weeks later when they decided their new programming was even worse than Ed Schultz and they brought him back, he immediately <laughs> abandoned that idea and went back to weekdays. It was okay. I'm surprised at this. Now, Sharpton said they're going to continue to pay him, but in the article it says that he has reportedly has a seven-figure salary. Mm-hmm. We're going to pay him, and we're going to continue to pay him seven figures just to stop him from protesting outside of the NBC. And make I'm no mistake it. about it. Probably That's exactly it. what they're doing, and it's worth it, right? It sure is. I mean, if he leaves, he'll, he'll protest, and he'll say he was fired unfairly, uh, and you will pay much more. Oh, my gosh. You will pay him Forever. either a protection fee or uh, he will uh, you know, harass a couple of your dumb clients. Right. Into not giving you their advertising money. So Al Sharpton does. Here's your paycheck. Here's your paycheck. Do your just Sunday just show. do your Sunday show. Don't don't let us. Hear. I don't want to hear about it though. Look, just you do know it. we're making some changes at weeknights and weekdays, so you know you're going to get a hit for that. But look, we're going to give you the show. You're still Sunday on. Mornings. Here's the thing. Look, Here's some gas. It's all good. If you need to take vacation, it's okay. <laughs> now, if you need to take vacation, let's say every week. That's okay. It's still your show. But if we need to bring in a fill-in host, you know, routinely, like weekly we have on one Sundays. We have someone in mind. Any, we'll put anyone up. Um, so I don't want you to think that you need to come every weekend. But uh, it's, the show's there for you so you don't harass us. I mean, that's just a, it's, it's a protection fee. It most definitely is. I, I, I will be fascinated to see if he does do every week. But, uh, you know, even if he's on the road. Because Al does, I mean, he travels a lot. He tries to get yeah. his face... I, this you know, means a lot to him. All over. This means a hit, I mean, there's nothing more important to Al Sharpton than his own personal media being standing. Seen. Yeah. Oh my God. Um, so I mean, this is really still the time that he's going to be seen a lot. I would not be surprised to see him do guest spots a lot during the week. Uh, you know, so he can come in and call everybody racist right. and accuse them of rape. Um, you need that personality on MSNBC. I mean, it's either that or you got to get it from Rolling Stone. You need to get I mean, your fake rape <laughs> accusations from somewhere. I mean, this is the best. They're not going. to. They're, they're not going to let him go. I mean, you got President Obama calling him to the White House for his uh, race advisor, or whatever the heck his title is, with this administration. And, uh, okay, here's your hour. Yep, you're fine. Go do whatever you're going to do. Mm -hmm. Nobody's watching. Go ahead. Yeah. I'll do it. Say whatever you're going to yeah, say. Whatever you're going to do, fine, whatever. Just try not to make people notice it because we don't want to <laughs> deal with it. Okay? And can you at least attempt to read the words that are on the teleprompter? Is that positive, possible? Can you do something like that? I'd be interested to see who, if it's the same, uh, same crew that he's got working with him, same producers. Same oh, writer. I doubt it. I mean, I don't, I don't think there's a lot of I don't think people necessarily. I mean, I think Al is, comes off in person as 
somewhat nice. I, I don't think people dislike him in person. Like I've heard uh, many times from people, and we heard this again this weekend, because obviously Birmingham is a place where a lot of people go for civil rights stuff. Sure. And Al Sharpton's been in there a million times. Jesse Jackson's been in there a million times. People talk much, much more positively on a personal level of Al Sharpton. Yes, like, they Jesse do. Jesse Jackson comes off as a jerk to a lot of people, where Al Sharpton is affable in person. I mean, people generally seem to like the guy. He just guy. plays the game constantly. I mean, none of this stuff, it's obviously a show. None of the stuff he's doing is real. Um, and so it's a little bit weird with Al Sharpton. Um, with Jesse Jackson, I mean, it's just people, he's out of the limelight because people just don't like the guy. It's nothing to do with his politics have changed. Right. He's still accusing everybody of being racist. It's just nobody likes the guy, so he's faded away. Al is a little bit more likable on a personal level. Um, so people kind of have him sticking around, and of course, they don't want to deal with it if he had to leave. Right. I mean, look, look what right. they put up with, Jeffy, through these oh years. You, we have the highlights here of him versus the teleprompter from the Washington Free Beacon. Would you still have a job? Seriously, no way any of us would have a job. I mean, we do joke that Jeffy just says the word spoons, but at least he says that, words, that word correctly. <laughs> I mean, it's like... Think, with, thank you. Yeah, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say thank you on that one. Here's Al Sharpton versus the teleprompter. Douche Hall of Fame. But resist, we much. We must. They're all jitty about a shutdown. The tortoise in the race. Then co-author of Hubris. You two lead singer Bono. Fran Dreischer. Siganoi Weaver. Suspect Jahar Sanaev. Rush Limbaugh. Rush Limbaugh. Rush Limbaugh. The show Rush Lombard hosts Supreme Court Justice Sonia Sotomayor. Is Mike, is Mike uh, Muckery yesterday. Antonini. Antonin Scalia, Kim Kardashian, and the Republican candidates, both Cairo and Benghazi. We rank behind Latvia, uh, Lavita. First stop, Kazakhstan, Kazakhstan to college students in Beijing. He's getting lunch at Chipotle in Iowa. Bain is appropriate. The GOP's tax day giveaway to millionaires. Why was traffic problems email sent? <laughs> Environmental Projection Agency. And what sequestration has done. I'll <coughs> <laughs> be back tomorrow. We're going to have to run at least that one or maybe the other <laughs> compilation clips. Yeah. Just to have Pat play Al for a while. We because. can't let his megaphone get through that thing without no. him coming back on the other side. So we'll have that for you later on. Maybe he'll address that tonight on the program. Ooh. In between nice Birmingham moments, maybe he'll mock Al Sharpton relentlessly. Ooh. I hope so. All right, well, 888-727-BECK is the phone number. Um, Jeffy's going to be watching because that's what he does. He watches TV all day. You don't get that body by doing sit-ups. Have you seen? Well, I mean, both. You don't get this body by doing sit-ups either. But... <laughs> Program triple eight seven twenty seven Beck is our phone number. Um, so this murderer who took out uh, the two reporters live on the air and Buster. filmed it. 
Was it Vester, Vester. Flanagan, right? Or Bryce? Vester something Flanagan. Williams? Bryce. Was it Bryce Williams? Something like that. Bryce, I can't remember. I just name. Vester sticks in my head, and so does Bryce. Vester That's Flanagan it. does not sound like no. this guy. <laughs> I don't sounds get like a picture. comic book hero. It does, it does. Um, uh, he, now, Allison Parker was not actually working at the station when Vester Flanagan was having all these issues with racism. She was just an intern, I believe. Um, and um, this, these are the things that really pissed him off about her racism. And it's deep racism. I, I, I got news for you. If you've got are kids you gonna, in the room. Are you going to say, yeah, okay. Because this, okay. this is really racist. Get ready, guys. Parker made reference, Allison Parker made reference to swinging by a destination. Get it? Because monkeys swing in trees. Swing. We're gonna swing by that place so we can get some B-roll of that of that, uh, of that news uh, scene. Um, oh well, swinging. Why would you say swinging? Oh man, because and B-roll. What do you mean black roll? What? Mm, that's, that's not an incomplete, but uh, that could easily be transferred that way. Um, uh, a reference to swinging by a destination, and also refer to heading out to the field. The field. Now, sure, do news people say we're going to go out to the field all the time? Yes. But what they meant when they were talking to this guy was, you're black, get back to the field. Of course. Get it? And swing by the field. Because slaves work the field and monkeys swing on things. So therefore, that's the sort of racism we're talking about. Deep, deep racism. It's so bad. Parker was not disciplined over her word choices, of course. Huh. Um, and Flanagan was fired a month after leveling his racism accusations huh. against Parker, which were part of his failed discrimination lawsuit against the station. Two years later, of course, Flanagan shot Parker and Adam Ward, 27 years old. She was 24, um, during a news broadcast uh, last week. On the run, using a Twitter account under her name, his name it is Bryce oh, Williams. Bryce Williams, yeah. Um, he, said, he referenced the racist comments. Um, that's how this guy's mind worked, a video editor at the station said. Just crazy left field assumptions like that. By the way, when you say crazy left field, in reality, they're crazy left wing because these are the things that Black Lives Matter take all the time. Um, people who were defending the president said the word apartment was racist. They said the word Chicago was racist. Everything. Uh, everything's racist. It's the same application that we've been hearing from the media for years and years and years. I don't know why they're I mean, surprised about it. No, they're, and they're, I mean, that's what they're doing with all lives matter, too, right? By saying all lives matter, you're saying that black lives don't. Right. Which is, again, insane. But the same right. thing, we're supposed to respect that opinion when, when we're talking about the news. Correct. Uh, and this guy uh, just applied it to his life. Now, he took it a step further, but he was offended by the same things that, that the media is offended by all the time. Uh, if you say uh, he, he was a socialist that was racist, if you said that he, was, uh, he had an apartment it was racist, if you said that he was in Chicago or from Chicago that meant you were racist, I mean, this went on and on and on and on. There was, I think Michelle Malkin actually did a really extensive list at one point during um, the campaign last time of all the things you can't say um, uh, because they're racist. We should see if we can find that. Natasha, can you see if you yeah, can dig that up real quick? List. The Michelle Malkin list of all the terms that are racist, like Chicago and apartment. Because Chris Matthews had about ten of them on his own. Everything that Chris Matthews was racist in this period. It's the same sensitivity that this guy had. He just obviously most people don't go to the violent uh, extremes this guy did, but it's the same exact How mentality. Racist you have to be to think that all that 
all those things are racist. No, you have to be obsessed I by mean, race. It's bad. You have to see every single thing in your life as a prism, everything through, through the prism of race. Right. Like, you know, uh, that's how you get to the place where you're saying um, a typical white person uh, is the. Uh, I'm just throwing as an example of something you could say if you were a person uh, like that. Huh. That thought, saw every single thing through the prism of race. Maybe you'd say, uh, you know, your grandmother was a typical white person um, who basically uh, couldn't stand people who didn't look, who looked, or were scared, excuse me, of people who looked differently. Uh, maybe something like that. Um, there's a kind of an interesting development here. He also did not like the uh, the idea. This is this is worth. What are they doing? WGBJ cameraman Trevor Fair recalled others using the term field around Flanagan. We would say stuff like, the reporter's out in the field, and he would look at us and say, what are you saying? Cotton fields? Now, you would think that maybe, maybe. Because we would joke about that. Right. <laughs> you would think that maybe. Yeah. At one point, no. it was a joke. But sadly, I don't know. I mean, I... You've worked with crazy people before, at least I have. And it's, it's difficult, as these people are proving, but it's difficult because you actually do have to watch what you say. And when you say it crazy, I was just kidding. Mm. No, you weren't. Right. Like, I, no, I you mean, weren't. You meant it. I've worked with crazy people, too, like today on this show, and I noticed uh, similar things. What you say? You have that? Right. The, yeah. Yeah, bring it right. Yeah, Just walk right on the set. Sure. Don't worry about it. Yeah, Thank, you. Thank you. Oh yeah, here we go. Uh, Michelle Malkin, I was uh, I was correct. Uh, here are the things. These are the things that were called racist. You know, and it's not even a full list. It's just some of them. Uh, angry. The word angry is racist uh, because if you call him angry, uh, Touré will call you uh, racist. He said, "Quote." You notice he said anger twice. Touré fumed in the response to a speech oh, yeah. last week by Mitt Romney. He's really trying to use racial coding and access some really deep stereotypes about the angry black man. Or maybe Romney is just accurately describing the singular temperament of the growling, finger-jabbing, failure-plagued demagogue-in-chief. That's from Michelle Malcolm. Malcolm, as she does this very well. Uh, next up, Chicago. You uh, can't say that. You can't say that. Um, Chris Matthews, of course, the one upset about this. He says, quote, they keep saying Chicago, by the way. <laughs> Have you noticed that sends the message, this guy's helping poor people in the bad neighborhoods and screwing us in the burbs. What? <laughs> what? These people are, I mean, look, again, they're not going to these violent ends. But this, is, this isn't, like, it's equally as bad as Bryce Williams, Vester Flanagan. Yes. We all oh laugh at the guy who is like, oh, because there's another story about uh, cameraman recorded a time um, uh, that... The station manager brought in watermelon for all employees. Of course, he thought that was racist. He was like, you're doing that because of me. No, the general manager brought in watermelon for the entire news team. He's like, nope, this is out for me. You guys are calling me out because I'm black. Like, it, that level of craziness is equal. Equal. It's not, it's not worse. It's equal to Chris Matthews saying, oh, my God, they said Chicago. That means they're trying to send a message about racism. Oh, they said uh, angry. That means racism. That's crazy. Um, experienced is another one. Now, this one's interesting. Significant population of American voters believe that qualifications actually matter when running for president. Chilling, isn't it? As Michelle Malkin <laughs> says, they might as well sport KKK hoods. In the judgment of one Basil Smichael of the Century Foundation, experience is the dreaded racial code word. 
uh, experience? Does it really mean the time he spent in the Senate, or does it mean well that guy has the uh, do, well does that guy have the same kind of experience in life that I have? What does inexperience really mean? It means uh, not having good experience at the job you're going for. <laughs> that's, that's what it means. Uh, no, that's racist. All of it is. Food stamp president is another one Michelle Malkin finds out is being racist now. Um, Democrats uh, fumed when uh, former GOP candidate Newt Gingrich bestowed the title on Obama and decried its purportedly racist implication. But who are the racists? As Gingrich scolded the aforementioned race troll Chris Matthews, why do you assume food stamp refers to black? Why do you, what kind of racist thinking do you have? You're being racist because you're assuming they're black. Yeah, that's kind of true. How golf? about golf? There's another one. Golf mm -hmm. is racist? Yeah. Uh, Lawrence O'Donnell appeared on cable TV to decry Republicans who mentioned Obama's frequent golf outings. He singled out Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell's convention speech, which joked that Obama was working to earn a spot on the PGA Tour. Oh, my gosh. And that means that um, he's e Obama is equal to Tiger Woods. Yeah, the Racism. race joke. Yeah, I remember them trying this. Only black guy. Come on. Stop it. I don't even understand that one. I don't either. I was looking at the holding down the fort of the next one either. I don't even understand that one. Yeah, holding down the fort. Obama State Department diversity officer now advises us, based on admittedly dubious history, that holding down the fort is an anti-Native American idiom that has no place in U.S. discourse. Example, I know you guys have been holding down the fort. That is what uh, is apparently racist now. She goes on, uh, kitchen, good stapling job by Keith, who stapled right in the middle of the words. Kitchen cabinet? That's helpful. Thanks, Keith. Uh, kitchen cabinet, uh, Mark Thompson jumped on Romney using his face. Uh, whoever Mark Thompson, I don't know who that is. Um, uh, coined to describe Andrew Jackson's administration in the 1800s. To talk about being in the kitchen and not talk about African-American Actually, being in your cabinet is really not a good metaphor to use with African Americans. What? Hmm. How about the term, and you may have used this one yourself, you racists out there, Obamacare. <laughs> they did try to pull that off, and then he, and then, I mean, I don't, I'm not sure what this says, but after they tried to pull this off, then he said uh, numerous times, oh, I don't mind it when they call Obamacare. Yeah, no, he I liked mean, it. Yeah, he they, loves they it. first tried to make it racist, and then he started accepting it, and now it's no longer racist, apparently. Privileged is another one. Professor, and of course, the classic, you people. Oh, my gosh. Um, you know what you mean when you say you, Yeah, even, even when you don't mean black people. No, or you mean black people. even a black person. You people. If you say you people, even if it's to a bunch of white people, you're still racist. It's you people. Uh, so there you go. But again, th this is the important part of this. It's not this disease uh, specific to this murderer. The violence is, um, yes. at least in this particular case, as you compare it to Chris Matthews and Touré, but the craziness of taking everything as if it's a racial attack is equal. Well, this He's guy, not worse than them in that particular No, he thing. is not. And this guy was you know, completely whacked out of his mind for quite a while. I, mean, I don't know if you've ever had a bad neighbor uh, that's really kind of loony, but it gets really frustrating and you just want to not be a part of it and that it seemed like he was just the crazy guy in the apartment building and everybody was we just need him to be yeah i mean look you don't want to start crap with somebody like that right I mean, you, you, when you have somebody you who's want to say hello overtly unstable the last thing we do is antagonize them you just right. try to stay out of their way and eventually something like this can happen the bottom line is there's nothing that could have stopped this nothing 
I mean, these people no, were com- sitting ducks. They were sitting there uh, facing the other way, and he walked up behind them and taunted them with a gun. Right. I mean, he easily, just as easily could have stabbed them both and killed them both. Just oh as he, or gosh, with an yes. axe or with, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know uh, a sickle or whatever. Um, could have easily taken them both out. It had nothing to do with the gun. I mean, the gun is what he wound up using, but, I mean, it, it could have easily been anything, and this guy was not stable enough to... No, it well, was you easy, know, I... the gun was easier for him to film what you wanted so you could have something to show off. Yeah, but he could have done that either way. I mean, you know, you could have found out your way. Uh, you could have found his sure. He could have found his way of doing that. And, and, and you know, like, this is... You know, it's not the filming that's the crime here, you know? The, the crime here is their death, and whether he filmed what? it or not, we're supposed to still care. By the way, all the dozens of people who were killed uh, that weren't on film... I haven't heard many people co- commenting no, about those. About uh, no, so, I mean, I understand that it's more impactful when you see it. I mean, Ray Rice is a good example of this. Sure is. P- people did not compl- Everyone that was so high and mighty about Ray Rice and him being, um, you know, uh, not you know, suspended long enough. No one was complaining when they didn't see the video. No, there was right. not a big story. When they saw the video, they started complaining, and it was right. really bad. But it was, until that point, no one was complaining. It was okay. All right, triple eight seven twenty seven. Back. Uh, we're running late. Back in a second with more Pat and Stu. I even heard some of the national hosts talk about it, and they probably don't want to watch it. I disagree with that. Yeah, I mean, who's just... sort of system. You can't just walk them into anything. Triple eight seven twenty seven Beck is the uh, phone number. I don't know. Do I want to do the... Uh... Do we do this dad? Uh, I don't know. I think it's it's too depressing. The dad, it, it uh, is really Allison depressing. Parker. I don't. I just don't like it because he's trying to make it into a political issue. And look, I can't. It's hard to blame the guy for doing anything. His daughter was just killed on live television. I know that. I know that. And and I know that I get the whole. He's in mourning and he's upset, and his daughter was murdered. But at some point, yeah. At some point. The morning has stopped, and now your activism is taking over. Mm-hmm. And when the activism takes over, shut up. <laughs> I mean, look, you have a right to say it, but I, uh, yes, I'm not going to want to listen to it anymore. At some point, your grief and, and your using of that grief. Yes. Or other, maybe more appropriately, other people using your grief oh, they uh, sure and are. using you That's a good point. to try to advance an agenda uh, that is negative for the country. Uh, it's not going to be so cute. I remember there was a guy in, um, uh, in Iraq. I, I, you know, it's been a long time, and I cannot remember who it was. But his dad, uh, it was one of those terrible murders in Iraq. And his dad became an activist afterwards. And, you know, look, after a while, after he had been out there as an activist for a long time, people started criticizing the things he was saying. Not criticizing him, certainly not criticizing his son's death. Right. But you start criticizing him, the words he's saying, and that becomes controversial. Because uh, you're beating him up for that. No, we're not, it's nothing to do with beating up for his son's death or his daughter's death in this case. But, like, you can't try to take my constitutional rights away because you're grieving. Yeah, you but know? what about if you really want to? You, you just want to help.
and welcome to the program. It is I, Stu, son of Stephen. And myself, Jeffy, son of Henry. Good job. Uh, welcome to the program. Uh, we're talking a little bit about the election here uh, and what's uh, going on with it. Uh, and uh, it's a little bit strange. Uh, the election is right around the corner. Right around the corner. Um, just till February. <laughs> what is it? What is Iowa? I was February second or something, something like, like that. that. Yeah, yeah it's it early February. So we got a long, long time and a long road here. This is going to be tiring, guys. Uh, now, the, pat, the, uh, the Trump stuff is really, I think, been exhausting, at least to me. And I don't know if you care. Uh, maybe you think I'm an idiot for thinking Trump is bad. Not for Trump. Uh, what's up? I don't think you're an idiot for the Trump thing. Okay. I, it's an interesting way of phrasing that. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, like, you know, it's one of those things where even if you don't agree with me or my assessment or my correct assessment on Trump's liberal policies. Uh, it's at least one of those things that's got to get, it's a little exhausting. Oh, it sure is. It's exhausting uh, for it's everyone. It's just it every matter. story. And, I, and people keep saying to me, well, you know, he's the biggest story you could play that he's always being talked about. But then you guys talk about him a lot. Well, yes, I would say that's true. You have to get the truth out about this so it will end. It needs to end. <laughs> I understand, uh, you know, maybe you like him. Look, maybe you want a Democrat running as the Republican nominee. That's your choice. You can certainly advocate ah, for that. People like it that he's shaking things up. Oh, stop with that. I'm sick of that. Sick of that people answer. People like it that he's shaking things up, Stu. Oh, no. He's got a little twinkle in his eyes. You know what? If a Democrat runs as a Republican, yes, I agree. That is shaking things up. If a guy who advocates a wealth tax, who is currently... You know, this weekend advocating that w that the rich aren't paying their fair share to get that guy running as a Republican, I would agree, is shaking things up. That doesn't mean it's good. That's just that's just a I'm just saying stoop. he doesn't apologize. He doesn't back down. It's he apologizes. He does apologize. He backs down wants all America the time. To be great again. He backs down off of former viewpoints. And and if you don't believe that, you really don't believe he's a, a Republican because you have to believe he's backed down over off of almost every viewpoint he's ever held because all of those used to be left wing views. Strong businessman. He's spending his own money. No, I, I don't know if that's even true. He is actually raising money now, which is kind of interesting. I mean, I think there's it's become a point from. Like there was a, everyone always compares it to like, you know, Herman Cain, he led last time. And so did Michelle Bachman back in the day. And while that's true, they were f brief flirtations. This has been a good month, a little bit over a month now. Um, oh, yeah. And uh, so it's, you know, is this uh, as I, I will passing? Say I agree with you that it is, seems like it's been a lot, a lot longer. Month. I mean, I'm it sorry, honestly but... feels like he's been leading for the last, <laughs> you know, six years. It does. Um, so there's some news there. Um, and there was a uh, an interesting poll that came out this morning in Des Moines. Um, from Bloomberg uh, Politics Des Moines Register, it was a poll, came out and had uh, Trump the support of 23% and Carson 18. So the huh? lead has, uh, has you know, gotten significantly smaller down to only five points, which was the kind of the first bit of news this morning. Since then, a new poll has come out from a Monmouth poll from, uh, from Iowa and has showed Donald Trump at 23% and Ben Carson at 23%. Wow. So the lead has completely evaporated in Iowa, at least according to this latest Monmouth poll. Now, those two have a pretty significant lead over the rest of the okay. field. I think Carly Fiorina is at third at 10 percent, Ted Cruz at nine. Um, the interesting part to me is that I do not believe that either Trump or Carson will actually be the nominee. 
So, again, that's just me. That's what I believe. Uh, you know, and I like Carson a hell of a lot more than I, I like too. Trump. Like, if Carson was the nominee, I could vote for the guy. Trump is a completely different story. Um, yeah, I know. Shocking. Um, but it's interesting to see those guys now tied. And you see this, I think, as an opportunity for that next tier, the Scott Walkers, the Carly Fiorinas, the Ted Cruz's, the Marco Rubio's. You look at that and you say, okay, wait a minute. These two guys have very little political experience. Um, there's a possibility one of them could step in it or not sure. run their organization correctly or whatever. And when these guys go away, you've got half the vote, you get 46% combined right. to spread around to other people. You got to believe if you're in that second somewhere. tier, I still feel like I got a shot here. Got to go somewhere. Yeah. So yeah, you do. we'll see. I mean, you know, I, I Trump, the one thing about Trump is he's not going to run out of money. Um, you know, if, if he, that's the thing about him sticking around. You got to believe that he, he's not, unlike a lot of these candidates, it's usually money that makes you go away. If you can, right. if you can afford the plane tickets and the hotel stays, you're going to stay in the race for a while. There's no reason, for example, like a Rick Perry to drop out at this point. He might. He's pretty close. But, uh, you know, there have been shakeups in the campaign and stuff. But, I mean, why bother? Why not stick around and see? The same thing happened to a candidate uh, several years ago who had to rearrange his entire staff. He was at like 3 or 4%. Uh, you may remember him. His name was John McCain. He came back to actually win that election. That was in 2008. I think it was in, actually in 2007 was, that was happening. Was that? I mean, look, I don't want... You know, hopefully it's not another guy because Jeb Bush is kind of in that. Yes, he is. Um, although he has a lot more money, but he's fading pretty quickly. And so, I mean, they claim that Rick Perry does too with his with his super PAC money. There's all kinds of money. It was just the other uh, funding that had become an issue. Um, so they just had to rework how they were paying for things. But I don't know. Yeah, it does look like he has plenty of money for super PAC. Although that sort of stuff doesn't pay for. Hey, here's a hotel. Like, that no. pays for here advertisements and things like that. It does if you rework it, like they said. They yeah, if you rework it. it. Well, you know, so <laughs> you got that. Now, some people may say reworking, it may not be the, I don't know, legal? <laughs> I don't think we're going to accuse Rick I'm not Perry. accusing him of anything. I'm not accusing him of anything. I'm just saying that's what some... Well, let's be honest. Uh, the whole po the, the process in and of itself is <laughs> stupid. Okay? The idea that they have to have a super PAC to raise money for their political aspirations is dumb. There's no kidding. Uh, you know, it was Dinesh D'Souza, who we've had on before. Right. Um, went to jail because he donated some money to his friend who was running for office. I mean, the campaign finance re reform laws are insane, and they're stupid. And really, the, the, the main reason we have free speech is to be able to push for our political agendas. Right. That's what, what it was created for. It wasn't created so you could have porn. It wasn't created. I mean, like, all that stuff fits I, in. Well, Jeffy's going to disagree with that particular point. But that wasn't the, the intent of it. The, what it's become is, and I think rightly so, your ability to say whatever you want as long as you're not doing something in the fire in the crowded theater or one of those type of things. Um, what it was designed for, however, are people should be able to get in their pubs, uh, their taverns, and can talk to each other freely about politics without the government being able to crack down on them about it. Amen. That was what it was for. Instead here, you have uh, a situation where you can earn money rightly, fairly, through society. And we're going to restrict people from spending that money to get their point of view hurt. How is that constitutional? We're not restricting you. So we're just saying that you can't do it in some ways. 
Well, that's until so Citizens that United. Restrict that. So you were restricting silly. it specifically. Don't be silly. We're Citizens just United that you freed can't it up a little it. bit, but you should have gone further. Spend it certain ways. Well, Citizens United. It. Everyone says it's the worst. Oh, what a terrible uh, thing! When the left always says that, and the right says no, it was a good thing. Honestly, I didn't go far enough. There should be zero restrictions with how much money you spend on politics. Zero. It's your right. freaking money. Right. If you want to run ads saying low taxes are good, you should be able to do that all the time. <laughs> you should be able to spend your entire fortune on that. How can, how can I go out and spend it on uh, boats and airplanes and houses and food and everything else that you spend money on? Porn, as Jeffy will tell you, and he runs many websites, which you can... Um, no, oh, forget it. Uh, the bottom line is you could spend all your money on that. They will, they will, the left will support to the death your right to spend money on porn, but oh, not boy, no to kidding. spend money on getting your viewpoint that you low think will taxes, save the country Low out. taxes. And that goes for both people. It goes, for, it goes for people like George Soros, too. Soros should be able to put yeah. as much money as he wants into crazy left-wing um, uh, causes. The bottom line is it comes down to people who are in office need to be able to vote their, you need to put people in that are going to vote their conscience. And if you're being convinced by a political ad in the year 2015, it's your fault, okay? It's not the people running the ad's fault. It's your fault. Look into the freaking issue. Spend five minutes reading about what they're talking about. Stop being fooled by advertisements. You don't believe that the new, uh, you know, hot cocoa is better than the old hot cocoa because they run an ad. You try it. You look into it. You see if it's better than you buy the one you like. Why can't we be, uh, why can't we have that level of responsibility when it comes to our candidates? Well, but Stu, if I buy the hot cocoa and I don't like the new hot cocoa, I just throw it out mm -hmm. and I go back to the old cocoa. Right. That's if your. I, this is what is the equivalent this, of research. Okay. You but look if into I their say, viewpoints. If I say, oh, I, I think I like this person and I vote for them and I get them in office, I can't throw them right out. At, How do you do that? But you don't vote for them. You look into it before that. How do you do it? How do we do it on the show? If you see an ad, do we believe it? When it's the Ted Cruz actually, ad, do we uh, believe actually, it? Actually, almost right now in, in, uh, in our lifetime, mm -hmm. uh, Everything I see, I don't believe. Yeah, I assume almost immediately it's BS. I was like, that can't be real. And if you're not doing that at this point, it's your yes. fault. It's not their fault. Yeah. You know, when, when, uh, when uh, what was the uh, elf in the movie Elf, when he walks into the uh, coffee store and it says, congratulations, you guys got the world's best cup of coffee. And it's just some crappy diner. Right. Oh, wow, what a great that's accomplishment. So well, that's us as vo voters. Right. It's like if, if you... I'm sorry, if, like, oh, well, if they're going to run all these ads. They're controlling the system. This new influence on the system, <laughs> they're able to control elections. Really? Because, you know what? I've never seen a Koch brother in the voting booth with me. I get to pick the lever I want to pick. That's up to me. It's not up to them. If they want to run ads, they can try to organize people. They can do all of those little gamey tricks and they sure. and whatever. The bottom line is it's up to individuals, and it's people who have... Uh, you know, gone off the reservation with the responsibilities who are at fault here. It's not the people spending the money. I don't disagree with that. And look, look, you can spend the reason that they spend money on the ads and the reason that they spend money on the signs that you see every election and every local election of Bill Jones for county commissioner on every corner is because they know you're not going to do your due diligence. And so when you walk into that booth, you're going to go, oh, yeah, Bill Jones for county commissioner. All right. I mean, because they know you're not your, going to care. Your fault. Your fault. Not their fault. 
your fault. I, I, I used to drive, um, when I lived in uh, Pennsylvania, Wincote, Pennsylvania is where I lived. Uh, and it was uh, suburban Philly. And I would drive through, uh, like, this big park. I can't remember the name of that park. That's right by uh, Maniunk there. But in one of the, and you, I'd drive through the side roads, and I'd go through multiple neighborhoods. And you'd go through, I remember going through this one neighborhood around election time, and it'd just be signs on everybody's lawn, vote number 12. <laughs> vote number 12? Vote 12. Like, you don't even have the, the, I, the, the responsibility to learn the name of the person. You just need to line 12? Vote 12. And that's what it was uh, on the ballot was like, you know, line 12 was Bill Thompson and they wouldn't even put their name on it. They just put vote line 12. That's just pathetic. That is not the politician's <laughs> fault. We can sit here and blame everything on politicians. That is your fault. Yes. If you're falling for that nonsense, if you're going through a neighborhood and you see a number and you remember, remember it and that's what you're voting on, you're an idiot. Yeah. And play, look. If it comes down, if we've come all the way to the next presidential election and Donald Trump is the Republican nominee mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, mm -hmm. and he's running, let's say, up against um, Joe Biden. Okay. Or even Hillary. Mm -hmm. you know, let's say, all right. let's see, uh, you know, Hillary weathers the storm. You know, she's honed up the cankles and she's there on the ballot for the, for the Democrats. Whose fault is it? It's our fault. And what happens with either one of those become president? They're both disasters. People right. are like, well, at least if it comes down to Trump and Clinton, I'm man, at least Trump. I, there's no reason to know, believe man. that Trump would be uh, a better president than anybody that's, be, that's running. Now, yes, Hillary Clinton would run more liberal policies, and she would love to do a lot of the stuff. But at least if Clinton was president, there'd be pushback. I mean, with Trump, you'd have a bunch of people swallowing it because it was a Republican. I'm not sure which one would be better. I don't They're know. both terrible. They're both, both destructive horrible. to the country. But Trump would be horrific as president. Horrific. I think so, too. I think McCain would have been, too, by the way. I mean, I don't think Romney would have been a bad president, but McCain would have been just as bad. He's very similar yes. to Trump, except that he's a little bit more politician-y. Um, but yeah, he's had that honed down over the years. Yeah, it's yeah. the same thing. I mean, he's, he, would, he was used his government power to do the things he wanted. Um, I mean, he Which at least has forever. a little bit more of a semblance of an ideology than, than Trump, but, but the ideology is terrible, so I don't know if that's good. Yeah, not much. Um, uh, Chris Christie's also out there. He's saying immigrants should be tra uh, traceable like FedEx packages. Is that bad? Is that a bad thing? And I, I mean, not for uh, FedEx. I mean, that would be a big new business I line, mean, maybe. Um, he said um, uh, he would enlist the help of FedEx founder Fred Smith to show immigration customs enforcement officials how to track non-citizens. Why does he need to do that? We just put a chip in him. <laughs> Cross the border, get a chip. At any moment, FedEx could tell you where this package is. It's on a truck. It's at a station. It's on an airplane. Yet we let people come in this country with visas, and the minute they come in, we lose track of them. We need a system that tracks you from the moment you come in. And then when your time is up, we get you to go tap you on the shoulder and say, excuse me, thank you for coming. Time to go. Chrissy's campaign spokeswoman is Samantha Smith, who is, happens to be the daughter of Fred Smith. Uh, and later <laughs> clarified the candidate's comments, saying what he's talking about is better leveraging of technology. Well, of course. Mm -hmm. not, uh, not using visas to specifically track. Get a visa, get a chip. Welcome to America. Yeah, that's interesting. I, you know, I mean, I don't know how you, you obviously don't put a chip into people and watch them on a GPS like they're an Uber car coming to pick you up. Uh, but there, there has to be a better, there's no reason that every time you interact with the government, for example, 
um, something like that would be uh, tracked on, on on an individual basis. Like if you're going in and you're trying to get, uh, you know, a, a government-sponsored loan, or you're um, you apply to a government-run school or whatever. At least they should have yeah. a general record of of where you are and what you're doing if you're here right. on the basis of being, uh, you know, at a work visa. Um, once you're a citizen, that's completely out the door. And I, 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 I don't want. Look, I don't want people monitored, but I mean that is a big problem when it comes to um, illegal immigrants. A lot of them are people just overstay visas. I think it's forty percent of illegal immigrants. We always talk about this wall on the border, but the wall on the border, if it worked perfectly, only stops sixty percent. It's still forty percent of people are coming here completely different ways. They're here legally, and then they just overstay their visas. Um, and by the way, a lot of them uh, overstay them because of fault of the government, not because of fault of their own. Um, you know, I, I've had I, a friend of mine uh, almost had this issue. He came here from, I think it was Sweden? Okay, I look at Sweden and Switzerland. It's one of the two he came from. And uh, he, <laughs> he came here and uh, was an upstanding citizen, never had any problems with the law, was working uh, full-time, um, and was about to have to leave because his visa was not getting approved. He had applied for it on time, but it would have taken over a year to come through. And his green on, card or whatever it was was coming up, and he didn't. I mean, he was like, "Well, I'm either going to have to leave or stay here illegally." One of the two, and it came down to really just a couple weeks before he was going to be an illegal immigrant, a guy who had done nothing wrong, and right. the country uh, ostensibly wanted him to stay, but they were so incompetent getting the paperwork right. done that he almost became an illegal immigrant. And plus, on top of that, think of the. I mean, that, that you shouldn't have to live like that. Right. That's unfair, you know, I mean, and that's, but that's a problem with the government. That's not a problem yes. solved. I, they should be doing that uh, much more efficiently, and I think, you know, I'm totally yes. open to more legal immigration. I'm totally open. There are a lot of people out there, especially, I think, Trump supporters who are not open to that at all. Ooh. I am. I, I think it's Ooh. great for the country, um, personally. It's just a matter of you, you do have to have some laws, and you have to apply them. That's not irrational. No way. I mean, there has to be some semblance of, okay, we, we're going to let you into the country. And here's here you go. You can be here for this long, mm -hmm. and then come and let us see what's going on later. Yeah, it has to be it's fair, right? Yeah. All right. Before we take a break, let's uh, quickly hit this uh, Trump uh, situation with him um, as uh, a religious figure. I think I guess there's a situation where he thinks he has to convince the Republican electorate he's really religious when sure everyone does. knows he's not. I mean, listen to him talk about it for ten seconds. He obviously isn't. And that look. I don't, you don't necessarily need to be that way. No, you don't. Um, I don't understand why. I mean, we played the clips with the Bible. Oh, it's embarrassing. It's em oh, just stop embarrassing. it. Stop it. You know, we know you don't have a room with a giant room with Bibles. I was told to go. I would, look, I went to church as a kid. I read a little bit of the Bible. Um, I really, I know, you know, we're, listen, we're a Christian country. I just can't wrap my head around it right now. Yeah. We're done. Move right. on. Yeah, I mean, even if it's, you know, look, I'm, uh, I grew up uh, very religious. We yeah. went to this church. Uh, you know, I've been back and forth. I've had my struggles with faith, but, you know, I do believe in God. And, right. You know, I don't think it's necessarily, uh, you know, something that's going to, influ you know, uh, force policy or anything like that. I just, you know, I am a believer, and, I, you know, that's about all you need to know. I mean, that sort of answer would be completely acceptable, I think, even to Republicans. Oh, my gosh, they would but it's, be fine. Instead, he's trying to make himself look like he's like, uh, you know, Jimmy Swaggart. And uh, and trying to give this fake idea. Someone asked him, hey, uh, what church do you go to? And he's like, well, it's a big church. I will go to this church. I'm there. I go as much as I can. I love my Bibles. I've got a big room with Bibles. So anyway, he mentioned finally a specific church he goes to. He said, I'm Presbyterian. I'm Protestant. I go to Marble Collegiate Church. The church I was originally with was the first Presbyterian church in Jamaica, which is out in Queens. 
Uh, I have just had great experiences in church, whether it's Sunday school or whatever it may be. But now I go to Marble Collegiate Church. How often does he attend? He said, as often as I, as often as I can, a lot. And I do, because I travel so much, I go around the country. <laughs> um, all right. That is such a great Trump answer. Right. It's just nothing. He's not saying it. He's, he's like, you know, he's giving this fake answer. So anyway, people actually decided to follow up with the church and asked Marble Collegiate Church if he actually does go to the church. This is where they're, uh, they're Let's see if you can read between the lines on this one. Donald Trump has a long-standing history with Marble Collegiate Church, where his parents were for years active members, and one of his children was baptized. So there you go. However, as he indicates, he's a Presbyterian and is not an active member of Marble. Now, look, right. there are a couple ways to handle this if you're the church, right? You could say, we're not going to comment on people who go to our church. You could say, could say that. yes, Trump goes to our church. We've seen him here many times. To go out of your way to say he has a history with him, as if it's in the past, and to specifically call him out as not being an active member, seemingly to me says, look, you know, he's associated with the church, but he's not actually here very often. Uh, and, and it also, I mean, in the, for a long time standing, churches believe that if you are an active member, it means you are tithing in the church envelope. You know, they might, they might be the church up. saying, or showing up, but you show up with that. I mean, for, for a long time, uh, if you go to, uh, uh, I would, I don't want to use that example, but they use the uh, envelopes, and you put your money in your tithe. You put your money in your tithe. So mm -hmm. if Don goes to the church, even if they don't see him, he puts in cash money when they pass the hat. That's not an active member. That's just somebody showing up. Well, I don't, first of all, A, don't care if he gives money to the church or not. They do. That, yeah, they might. Um, and I, maybe that's the issue they have. Maybe there is some issue on that front. I, I don't get that sense from that just, particular you, statement. You believe that they're just saying he doesn't come here. Yeah, I mean, I just don't think get he... Get out of here. But, I mean, if it was him, like, for example, is he a member of the church where you go through... There's usually a process you go sure. through where you go through classes and you have to sign up and do all these things. I don't do that, to be honest with you. I'm not a member. I've never been a member of a church, and I don't think I'll ever be a member of a specific church. It's just not my thing. I don't like it. I don't like being members of anything. But, I mean, like, I, you know, I don't go there to be... You know, this is my own thing. Again, right. I, I know this is odd, but it's like I don't go there to be a member of the church... I'm there to be uh, to, to to praise God and do the things that you do right. at church, but like being a member of the church isn't my thing. So I don't I don't criticize him for that at all. Um, and also in my life, I've never put my name on the envelope. I don't like it. Right. I, I don't. You know, well, that's I, what I mean. It's weird that's to me. I, I you know I don't know why. I just I put the money in the little in the little uh, in the little tray. I don't I don't know. There's something I don't like about that. And I don't know. That's just a weird thing with me. So neither one of those would bother me at all. That's not the sense I get of it, though. The sense you get of from the statement is, look, the Trump family's been going here for a long time. You know, Don doesn't. Don's not really alone. here. Occasionally we see him on Christmas, but I mean, he's not an active member. But again, maybe maybe they'll clarify it further. Uh, may, why may, would you may, even put out a statement? That's what I'm concerned. Well, yeah, why? Because I honestly wouldn't want my church saying, uh, well, actually, he comes uh, three times a month. You know, like, I, I wouldn't right. really want, I don't want them addressing it at all. I mean, unless you, unless you ask them to. Maybe he did. I don't know. It's uh, possible. It's possible. But uh, so there you go. All right. Triple eight seven twenty seven Beck is the phone number. Back with uh, more in, in, in just a couple minutes. First, going to tell you about a 72-hour kit from, yes, My Patriot Supply. Nice. Now, My Patriot Supply 
they're the leaders in preparation. They can do everything for you. They can do the first step in the door on preparation, or they can give you a year of food or more. They can give you other life-saving technology, some of which is, is coming soon. We're going to be talking about it here in the next couple of months. It's really cool, really exciting. Yes. And we're going to make Jeffy try it all out. <laughs> because, you know, just to make sure, you know. Uh, and maybe it will be one of them. Maybe we'll have altered the technology a little bit just to try some things. To see what no, happens. don't worry. It won't electrocute you. <laughs> uh, but the, one of the things that they're doing right now is this great deal which is only available if you call 800-478-8061. It's the 72-hour emergency food supply. We've been talking about it for a while. For 10 bucks, including shipping, by the way, Jeffy, if you call in the next 12 hours, they're going to give you uh, this uh, 72-hour kit, which is a great first step. You want to get involved. You want to get yourself a little bit more prepared than you are now. You don't want to be like um, a lot of my friends who live in Manhattan, who if if Amazon Prime now were to shut down for an hour, they would be dead. Yeah, you want to have some. You want to have some kind of plan. Right. I mean, you don't want to be the the storm is coming. What's your plan? Well, I plan on eating all the food in the refrigerator before it goes bad. Mm. And yeah, then that's it. Maybe, I, maybe a little bit. More. I used to justify my preparation with pancake batter. I was like, well, if you have pancake batter, all you need is a little. You get you can get some some water. You, you can could. make pancakes. I mean, that can last a while. It's not ideal, though, Jeffy. You can actually make it easier on yourself and not have to keep old boxes of pancake batter around for years and years at a time. Call My Patriot Supply. Take this first step to get your family prepared. 800-478-8061. That's 800-478-8061. My Patriot Supply. It's not just food. It's freedom. Welcome back. 888 back is the phone number. Uh, you know, if you're going to be giving money, we're talking about do you give money to political causes, and that's going to be restricted speech. However, if you want to give money to a college that will then indoctrinate the youth to your political causes, completely okay. okay. You can give billions of dollars to Whatever that. Whatever you want with your money. For some reason. Uh, and uh, so there's a great story from Mental Floss about uh, weird college donations that are actually true stories. Um, Swath- Swarthmore College was one of them, and this is way back in 1907. Uh, this is great. Somebody... It's a pretty good year, actually. Yeah. Some... What? No, go ahead. I'm just, you're, you remember? Just, you, mentioned the, you remember the year? 1907? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <clears throat> so uh, they, were, uh, they were offered a uh, donation for between $1 and $3 million. Now, at the time, they That's were... a lot of money. It's a lot of money anyway now, but their entire uh, endowment at the time was only about a million dollars. So this was either increasing it by 100% or maybe up to 300%. And, but there was one string attached was they had to stop participating in intercollegiate sports. Wow. Was this donation made by Glenn Beck? Like, I don't, <laughs> this is a very Glenn Beck-esque proposal. Yes, uh, and they really needed the cash at the time, but decided to turn the gift down, and the sports survived. And now oh, you <laughs> history has been written. Swarthmore it, is the college the for right sports. They made the right call. Yeah, you should have taken the money. <laughs> Okay. Yes. I always wonder why a lot of these smaller schools even bother with sports. Who cares? Just, you know what, if, you're, if your team's terrible, like I mean, my favorite example, of course, is Prairie View A&M, which uh, I think went 0-82 uh, in football over like a 10-year period. It's all about uh, the fun, though, the game. It's fun. It is fun, but it's at some point, you're just like, why are we spending money on this? I mean, Because I, I spent very little, actually. I'm sure it's worth. You think? I think for a team that's 0-82, you're probably not bringing in the cash. 
That's why a lot of teams, by the way, are good at basketball but don't have football programs or are horrible at football. Right. Because basketball, yeah, look, you know, it's, it's, it's an indoor warehouse, and you right. throw, you need, you know, 12 guys. It's a lot different. The, the equipment costs are shorts and shirts. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's a little bit different than, uh, than football where you're talking about 52, 55, 60 people a on a team. Uh, you know, travel with all those people, all the equipment with the helmets and the pads and all of that. Uh, and then, you know, it's also a physical game, so you're, you can get dominated. I mean, some of these smaller teams in basketball can compete. They go out there, sure. they shoot a bunch of threes, and they can at least compete with these teams. Football, you get run over, you lose 86 to 3 every more. week. That's what happened to Swarthmore. Yeah, they got run over. And just... I should have pointed this out. Uh, Jeffy is a Swarthmore historian. It started way back in 1907. <laughs> uh, for years, this one kind of actually ticks me off. because I, I, For years, Indiana University offered a scholarship with a strange condition. The recipient was supposed to drive from Bloomington to Indianapolis once a year to put flowers on the donor's grave. Now, if you thought, I'm going to give you the scholarship, yeah, whatever it is, once a year, you got to drive into Indianapolis and put flowers on this person's grave. That's great. And you say, okay, no I'll problem. take that money. That's great. Mm -hmm. Okay. The school gradually decided uh, it was a bit much to ask a student to take a, ro a road trip to a stranger's headstone. Uh, no. Well, then don't take the money. Uh, no, it's not a stranger. Perhaps you say, hey, this is a scholarship came from uh, whoever, and they wanted this to happen from you yeah. so that you would appreciate the money that they're giving you every year. Wow. I, this, I'm actually legitimately also pissed off with you on this one. It's agonizing. It's unbelievable. Okay, so eventually the donor's attorney found out that the flowers weren't even being placed there. They didn't even want For 20 years, they didn't even enforce it. They didn't enforce it. You know, you're supposed to do this, but nobody will check. This is the university telling the student, wow. look, you're going to get the scholarship. And the scholar, we know, look, we know it says this. Don't worry about it. Don't, we're not going to check. That's a disgrace. Well, we want you to do it because it says so. But we don't. That's agonizing. The university should have to pay all that money back to the family. And then so the attorney finds out that the flowers weren't being placed there. But instead of the attorney saying, you owe the family this money mm -hmm. for that. Or at least, okay, now we want, you know, all these students to put flowers there every damn day for the next 20 years. Yeah. All right? The schools, uh, we'll, we'll just remove that from the clause, from the bequest. Don't worry about it. You're right. It's too much of a problem. They don't that's have, that's unbelievable. I actually, that is agonizing. I may sue on their behalf. I can't believe that. Seriously. Give the, what? You, it's they, too much for a college student to drive to a city to put flowers on a grave of the person that is putting them through college. Put the money up for them to go to school? That's unbelievable. That one actually really pisses me <laughs> off. I know. Yeah, there's something about that, too. Like, uh, you know, they, they just like, disregard those things because they think, ah, well, the person's dead. It's like, well, you know what? Then don't take the money. If you don't right. want to do it, don't take the money. Like, we're certainly happy to take that and continue to work with you on that. Yeah. I, I wish I could remember this story exactly, so I'm going to completely butcher it. <laughs> um, and be, feel free to look this one up because there actually is a story. And I have to tell you, I think Glenn told it to me, so it's almost definitely oh, wrong. It's got to be wrong. <laughs> but we were in Seattle doing a show one time, and he was saying that there's one big station in Seattle um, that has a great signal, you know, huge signal, and it's perfectly clear all around the Seattle area, um, and was donated by some family with one condition, which was it must remain in the classical music format. Oh, wow. Now, classical music, obviously not exactly the most profitable format uh, these days. 
try to find a way to make it profitable. Right. Well, I mean, that's what they're doing, supposedly, because when I was there, it was still classical. Oh, nice. Now, again, that could be a complete lie. I should be clear about this. <laughs> but there are things like that. I don't know. It was one of those radio legend things, at least. Right. But Glenn, you're usually pretty good on the radio stuff, at least. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. We'll have to check into that story. But uh, the idea being that if you work your whole life, and then you say, I will give away my fortune to someone who can receive it with these conditions. Right. Those conditions absolutely should be honored. Forever. Forever. For as long I as you take the money. I worked for this, and now I'm saying, look, I'm going to kick it. I'm going to die. I'm going to let you use my money to do this, but you got to do this. You have to put flowers on my headstone once a year so that you remember that Jeff Fisher gave you the money. And then t for years, then you're not going to do it? Screw that. Take the money. No, yeah, I mean, pull, I, I, pull the money away. That's not even an arduous thing. Like, I can honestly say, like, you know what? Uh, they can have this uh, uh, this uh, this gift, um, but in exchange, they're going to have to work twenty hours a week at my farm uh, for my family. Right. You know what? Well, if you don't like that gig, say fine. no. Well, just say no, and oh, then no, don't I take the cash. No, I don't think I can agree with that. Okay, yeah. we won't give you the money. Right. I mean, that's. I don't oh my know. God, I hate okay. that. Okay, now we've gone along. We're running really late. Let's just take a break and come back on the other side with the rest of the exam. I went way too long in the last break. We ranted and raved, and now we've ranted and raved too long. We're only on number two of this, but that's a pretty fascinating one. Yes, Put the flowers on the grave. Oh, my gosh. Now, look, if you make a request like that, obviously we're going to ignore it. But, but, I mean, for good people, it should be honored. All right, welcome back. We're going through some of the weird uh, college donations and the strings that are attached to them, uh, which I, lo I love this. This is uh, from uh, Bryn Maher, uh, Philadelphia physician Florence Chapman, uh, left the school 50 grand. Now, in the will, though, she just said, uh, well, you have to take my 150-year-old grandfather clock. So, hey, that's an, almost like another donation. Yeah, that's kind of cool. She just said that she had, you had to install it in the appropriate place, keep it in proper condition and repair uh, repair, make no changes in the fundamental appearance, and not have it electrified. Right. And I, I mean, that's kind of cool. It's a cool idea, but for only 50 grand? I don't know. Well, all you're doing is putting up a clock grand. in a hallway somewhere. I know, but you got to keep it running. What happens if it, well, obviously, with our other story, if it stops running, you just go, eh, it doesn't run for years. Yeah, but you can, that's not part of the deal. But you're right. If they if they treat it like that last, like right. the University of Indiana, which right. I had a diploma from in the University of Indiana, I would light it on fire today, <laughs> and I put the ashes on her tombstone <laughs> or something. I don't know. I'm just trying to feel passion, I'm trying to feel alive. Is that good? It worked. Thanks. It worked. Yeah, <laughs> it definitely worked. Yeah, I like the. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna skip the. Uh, Marshall University, you can go back to that, because when Dr. Jesse C. Coggins died in 1962, he left his estate to a Keswick nursing home so it could construct a new building. Okay. Coggins made a last-minute change to the will, though, and stipulated that the building would only house white patients. <laughs> oh, jeez. Wow. Wow. In 1999, a court ruled that the racist stipulation effectively voided the gift and gave the entire state, estate, which had grown to $28.8 million. This wasn't wow. 50 grand for a grandfather's yeah. clock. And gave the, will, gave the money to the will's backup beneficiary, the University of Maryland Medical Center. 
Hmm. Well, they're pretty happy. That's interesting. I mean, uh, that one is one of the exceptions. Of this. Most of the time, I want them to follow through with them on this one right. because the, it would be illegal. I mean, that's just you well, can't I make can't, it. I can't believe that they just voided the entire estate. I mean, I would I would say that, you know, he I would say he probably uh, he knew earlier we knew he wanted to. I don't know what they fought in court. I'd have to go back and look it up. I'd have to do a little homework on this case, which would be stupid. Why would I do that? No, you're not going to yeah, do it. Not, you're not you're not too gonna, lazy to do homework on I can't really even, anything. I, Thank you. I Especially something like this. So my question would be, you know, if he if you just say, okay, guess what? It has to take all patients. Times have changed. Coggins would but recognize that. that. Here's. I don't think you could do that. I think you have to avoid it because it's the same thing. You can't say, oh, well, times have changed. We don't we don't bring flowers down to graves anymore. I mean, you, you can't do that. You just gotta you gotta honor it, or it needs to go. The money needs to go away. Now with this one, it's illegal. So I would think you can't you you can't say we don't take white patients at hospitals <laughs> or we don't take black patients right, at hospitals anymore I mean. so the whole thing goes away now he had a backup beneficiary but if right. he didn't to me the money would have to either go uh, it would go to either back to the family or into neverland right well. you know and uh, i don't think it could go anywhere else i don't think you can i don't think you can re like when it if it makes uh, if it's illegal you have to stop doing it i mean you can't <laughs> influence policy from beyond the grave you can't say, hey, uh, look, uh, you know, I want, uh, you know, automatic weapons to be uh, brand new automatic weapons to be purchased if they're not legal or whatever the case may be. I mean, you can't do that. So if I put in my will, whether it's legal or not, I want people to come to my gravestone and party and do, I don't know, a bunch of cocaine. Uh, uh, <laughs> no, it can't happen. No, you can't make policy. Huh. People would be doing that all the time and just killing themselves to get that done. Huh. Um, yeah. uh, let me give you this. Uh, this one. This is probably the most encouraging yeah. one out of all of it. 2008, Marshall University received a million bucks from the BB&T Center for the Advancement of American Capitalism. Yes. Um, <laughs> the only catch was they had to teach Ayn Rand's Atlas Shrugged as part of the curriculum. I would say. Uh, they should uh, take the virtue of selfishness instead uh, of Atlas Shrugged, but that's uh, my opinion, and I didn't give them a million bucks. No, you didn't. So they don't have to listen to me. Um, but that's great. Um, BBT, uh, uh, this, you know, it's a bank, in case you don't know that. And the guy who used to be the CEO of it was, like, a legit libertarian. Like, he's a um, oh, wow. you know, pretty, uh, pretty uh, aggressive libertarian in that, like, he, he believes in it, and he's out there. Right. He doesn't, he's not trying to hide it. Um, they gave uh, another donation to the University of North Carolina, Charlotte, um, to make Atlas Shrugged also required reading. Wow. Um, and then uh, Radcliffe once received a piece of jewelry as a bequest. Uh, a nice gift, to be sure, but the late donor was a bit bossy. Well, that's the whole point of a will, yeah, right? Point, the, yeah. uh, she wasn't just donating the piece of jewelry. She stipulated in the gift that the president of Radcliffe must wear the accessory. <laughs> it doesn't say how much. I guess it was just the jewelry that she was given? Yeah, that's it. I would oh, yeah, say this. No, no, thank you. I would, I would, I would absolutely donate, you know, uh, my entire fortune, and then I'd just, I'd just say Jeffy has to wear like a coconut bikini every day, <laughs> only to work, so, <laughs> just to annoy the coworkers around here, because that's really what how this much, stuff how is. How much am I getting for that? You're not getting anything. I'm saying no, I can't do it then. You're getting nothing. I can't do it. Then. You if, should, you, if you want me to walk around with a coconut bathing suit, that's got to be some cash. <laughs> Honestly, people would pay you not to wear it. Whatever. As long as you're getting paid, you don't care. Correct. Triple eight seven twenty seven Beck is the number. We'll come back. This is another lesson for you in uh, the adventures of American capitalism. Brought to you by Jeffy Beck. <laughs> back in a second.
727 back. Uh, Jeffy is set to file a lawsuit against oh the Weather Channel. Uh, because uh, apparently they have ripped off one of his ideas. Uh, hello. Uh, they have a show entitled Fat Guys in the Woods. Uh, my idea. The show my Fat idea. Guys in the Woods is Fat your idea? Fat Guys in anything. My idea. <laughs> they owe me money. Because you're... Plus it's the Weather Channel. Overweight? I don't plus know. Plus the Weather Channel. My gosh. Yeah. I always wanted to be a weatherman. That's true. I will say Jeffy is uh, America's Come leading on. fake weatherman. <laughs> in that, like, every time a storm's coming, he comes to me and tells me all the things that he thinks are going to oh, happen I mean, with I, the storm, which and, I don't care about because he's not a weatherman and he doesn't know what's going on. And, and which... Uh, I believe that my percentage of being correct is way above <laughs> any other good. weatherman around that you listen to. <laughs> it actually you. is pretty good. You usually do have it down. Thank you. Uh, so what is Fat Guys in the Woods? What's your vision of it? Probably about what they're doing here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's watch the preview of Fat Guys in the Woods by Jeff Fisher. Absolutely. You know, anytime there's woods, there's animals and there's wild edible plants. I see all kinds of edible things. First, there's fish. We've got elderberries. They're edible. You know, those are really popular. Elderberry wine is really popular. And we don't have time to make wine. I know. I know. Of all the wild edibles I see here, those ducks are at the top of the menu. Oh, God. And there's actually a really creative way to get them without any kind of a weapon. So you take a bunch of like these big ferns, this vegetation, and you literally tie them around your neck so that your entire head is covered like a bush. Then you get into the water. When you get close enough to the ducks, you actually reach underneath of them. You grab a hold of their feet and pull them under. At that point, they're yours. I love squirrels. Squirrel's an incredible survival meal. What's the best way to cook squirrel? I crockpot my squirrel. You know, I, could, I slow cook them all the afternoon uh, with some root vegetables. It makes a really hearty stew. Yeah, you know, you see all this garbage, but in a survival scenario, sometimes one man's trash is truly another man's treasure. There's all kinds of plastic bottles down here. They make great containers for water, and believe it or not, you can actually boil water in a plastic bottle. If you hang it over the fire, you can boil water in that plastic bottle. Just don't put the cap on because the steam has got to escape. Fire is by far one of the most important survival priorities, but at the end of the day, you never want to put yourself in a position where you depend on finding natural fire tinder because it may be rainy, it may be wet, it may be snowy. My favorite fire tinder to pack with me is right here handy dandy tampon they're packed in waterproof oh, yeah, packing great. and they will light up with just a spark from even a broken lighter which i'm sure you can also find in central park yeah they're good to soak up wounds mm -hmm. too to soak up love i you know look i was look this guy was an eagle scout when he was 14 mm -hmm. i uh you know I, I don't like to talk about it much but i was an eagle scout at eight and uh i, mean, I like to survive anywhere that's me <laughs> no, you could survive. Survive anywhere. You could me. even survive in all aisles of the grocery survive store. Survive anywhere, that's me. Like, if you get stuck in the produce section, you're dead. I went on one Boy Scout camping trip mm -hmm. when I, I was probably 12 or 13. It was called the um, the Polar Bear uh, because it was in the winter. 
And I almost died about three times that weekend. That was mm -hmm. my Boy Scouting uh, mm -hmm. trip. And I that's it. when I stopped being a Boy Scout. <laughs> now, my yeah. son, on the other hand, is ready, is actually going for his eagle. He'll be an eagle by the time he's 14, actually. So, yeah. another year. I, on the other hand, said, no, thank you. No, you are <laughs> no, not a thank survivor. You. I uh, no, I want, to, I want to be back home where I can cook in my crock pot. <laughs> crock and what's the uh, fat guys in the woods? I did not yeah, see I any fat guys. There's what no fat that? guys at all. Got a guy wearing a, a guy scarf, looks like Glenn Beck. A lot thinner than Glenn Beck. <laughs> if Glenn Beck was in the woods, we could call it fat guy in the woods. But he wasn't what? in the woods. But, I mean, come on. I didn't see any fat guys in the woods or anything. I know. It's very disappointing. I guess uh, he was the host of another show called uh, Fat Guys in the Woods. So, there you go. Whatever. By the way, uh, we're hoping uh, soon to uh, be fatter guys ourselves, which you might say, hey, is that even possible? Yes, it is. Oh, Because Bluebell yes. ice cream is coming back on the shelves uh, here in Texas okay. pretty soon. They're coming back, but I do not believe they're going to be in the DFW area. That's a limited time for that, I think. I think it's, I heard maybe next month. Uh, I don't know. Whatever it is, we're going to be eating a lot of it. I uh, And I don't even, I mean, Bluebell Ice Cream, I think, is really good. Pat is really the guy who oh, is yes. the, uh, like, you know, he's the crazy Love person Blue when Bell. it comes to it. Like, he, that's what he wants all the time. And it's really been devastating to his life that it has not been available. Uh, but when it comes back on the market, I, but I just like ice cream. I'm a fan. I'm I am. a supporter of ice cream. I've eaten a little bit uh, really? over the years. Have you? Tried a little bit over no. the years. I know. Look, I know. I know. And, uh, you, huh. you know, sometimes you... Have a bowl or a gallon too much over the years? A couple, couple gallons, yeah, maybe. Gallon. <laughs> All right. uh, so Pat is going to be filling in tonight uh, for <laughs> Glenn uh, on the uh, on the TV show. We hope Glenn's going to be back tomorrow. Obviously, his voice is kind of its, its own animal at this point. No um, so we're going to see how that goes. But we expect him to be back tomorrow. Pat tonight. Check that out. 5 p.m. Eastern right here on blaze.com slash TV. Or go to blaze.com slash radio here at this show or... On a radio show anytime. Bye bye. bye, -bye.